0: You're now listening to the Talking Pictures Podcast, broadcasting from sunny Orange County, California. Filmmaker, journalist, and film historian, Paul Booth.
1: Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures with Paul Booth and Kai Lovell. So happy to be here today. We hope you are enjoying us on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also check out our main website, www.talkingpicturesla. Well, you'll find goodies like top 10 list and special photos. Sometimes we even get stuff from studios that is not in other publications. So we are happy to say we are the only place you will find some cool on-set photos. Hamilton is on Disney+. Plus, So, you know, it is a musical, actually Broadway musical, and they filmed it. So when I say musical, it's not like, oh, West Side Story, and it's a staged movie. Uh, they actually filmed this On the stage, it is so amazing, so brilliant. I want to give you guys the brief IMDb synopsis. And then Kai, who's been a fan for multiple years, has the uh, extended director's bootleg cut. Well, actually, before we get into that, I forgot to ask, Kai, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, thanks. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, except that I always get a little bit jittery when... We're like on Tornado Watch in like three hours because it's like you don't know. They call it off like the second before. And we actually had one last year that actually missed our house by literally a half a mile. Like it was on That's the river. so
0: crazy. Crazy.
1: <laughs> yes, it was really spooky. and w- well, I mean, it was more spooky to find out after how close it was when I like looked across the river and I was like, wow, a bunch of stuff's damaged and we're fine so that means it was actually sitting on the middle of the river so less than a half mile really really bizarre so so yeah so other than that I'm doing fantastic and I'm uh, happy to be here doing this
0: and if I'm hearing you properly are you saying that even if you get blown away you're going to keep doing the show <laughs> Is that what you're saying
1: Oh, yes. No, totally. I'm that into it. If it still kept connection, I would grab the mic and just go for it. So, yeah, I'm I'm that passionate about what I do. But
0: sweet. So you have a lot in common with Alexander Hamilton. He was also in a hurricane, but we'll get to that a little bit later.
1: (laughs) You can obviously tell we have joy and I've and I've had such joy um, watching this film. There's so much that we can discuss about this film. And I'll give you guys the quick Internet movie database synopsis the real life of one of America's foremost founding fathers and first secretary of treasury, Alexander Hamilton, captured live on Broadway from the Richard Rogers Theater with the original Broadway cast. You guys can hear the soundtrack on YouTube. Uh, Wikipedia has a much more extended synopsis that kind of, uh, you can kind of go through the film and it's almost like a Broadway program. But this is a piece of work that I'm now going to turn over to Kai because for me, uh, it was just too uh, good. It was too entertaining. It blew my mind. It was like the first time I heard Jimi Hendrix. All right, Kai, take it away.
0: Actually, with that being said, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about it for seeing it for the first time. Because I've seen it a million times. I'm really curious what you have to say about it. Just like first glance.
1: Would you um, mind starting this off? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Blown away, uh, confused, um, entertained, <laughs> excited, uh, flabbergasted. If you can believe it or not, speechless. Um, <laughs> for those, those of you that don't know, new viewers, listeners to the show, this was born out of a friend who t- told me that I know movies and I never shut the F up. So for me to be <laughs> speechless uh, is really um, out there. I think I'm gonna take this word from Kai. Uh she's used it I guess in multiple ways to explain overwhelming. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very overwhelming. Um that's also a theme of my life lately. Um the another first thing, uh the reason why I compared it to Jimi Hendrix was because I felt like I was being left out of the party. But I felt like I was welcome where I was at, and what came to my mind about that was, was I said to the guy who gave me my first Hendrix album, I said I just don't get it, and he said that's cool because you might never get it, and uh, so with this, there it was, it was also, it was also um, what do you call assault on the senses? Yeah, I think there's so few. And then also, too, it's no surprise you guys are going to see it in the synopsis. It's I didn't catch this at first, but um, uh, just the idea that it was rap and that the costumes were, um, you know, the start of our country and back in those times, and uh, I'll get into the costumes later because I was so floored by the costume design. But hearing rap, uh, hearing something that did not exist... Um I guess it would be like if you asked a dinosaur what a human was or what an iPhone was I feel like it was like they're rapping their story and then it's so subversive was it was also kind of a little bit of a mm, you to like that this art form that was created by uh, Caribbean music in New Orleans and then jazz turns into blues and blues and all this turns into hip hop that it was kind of like Uh, Music of slaves and cries and hollers and that it's now telling the story of some of those times, telling the story of those times. So I just was like, hell yeah, like you, you are trying to put us down and take away our uh, music of the fields. And now like we're on Broadway using the music of the fields to like tell a story about... Uh, I'm saying stupid white men. That was just part of my initial, but I figured I'd wrap that up on that. You asked me what my initial feelings were.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was originally introduced to Hamilton in a very familiar place. Uh, That place was my car while I was driving uh, seventh graders to their, I think it was Summer Stars Theater. And um, I was the mom who was sort of like taking everyone to and home after. So the girls get in the car and they're like, hey, we want to listen to the CD. And I was like, okay. And it opens up with um, how does a bastard orphan son of a whore and I was like what is this
1: <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> what are we listening to like I'm all down with the arts um and I think at that time it might not have been summer stars I don't know if they were doing like James and the Giant Peach or if they were doing School of Rock at that time I don't remember but I was like listen <laughs> I totally support where you little ladies are going however Um, what is this and as we continued to listen I was really really surprised a that my kids were into this and b that it was so (sighs) different like they had taken history they being Lin-Manuel Miranda and his amazing cast of people like um philippa sue um renee Elise goldsberry david diggs christopher jackson my george washington oh my goodness leslie odom jr who is um, up for an oscar this year which is amazing jonathan groff who's and what's he uh, up most for an oscar for what's what's he up
1: um, for an oscar
0: he, for? Uh, why don't you tell me sir what's he up for an oscar for it's a little singing a little dancing and a little something about storytelling what is it
1: playing Sam Cook Google Google for all you general Zers who say who?
0: No, I'm sorry. No, but I mean, like, we we just, yeah, that's, I mean, it does sound right. I don't lie. Um, But, um, you know, last week we did an amazing review on a film that was um, beautifully done and amazingly directed uh, by Regina King. And I'm so, so excited and happy that Leslie Odom Jr. has been nominated for an Oscar for his role because he did a, a wonderful job in that role. And I can't say enough amazing things about Leslie Odom Jr. I love him. And, um, you know, just the, the cast, the cast is wonderful. The songs are, the songs are modern, but they're also just a really great way for people to look back on a time that can seem really mysterious because it lives in this magical box of the past and we don't really know it other than what we've learned about it in the time that you're not necessarily so motivated to learn about things you know if you learn about american history or the american revolution you might be in elementary school maybe middle school or high school and you're not necessarily super interested in um you know like boston and tea parties and revolutionaries and dudes in white wigs sitting around talking about like all these uh things that we really use today but it didn't seem like the most alive picture in the world and i love that there's these references to like john trumbull and like all of these pictures that we see on the wall that just look like really expensive oil paintings that are untouchable and don't breathe life into anything but the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda has a brain to breathe life into things like these characters and really humanize them, and then does the most amazing thing and chooses the least likely characters to play these roles that we know their names. Like Thomas Jefferson is David Diggs. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's amazing. George Washington is beautifully and excellently played by Mr. Christopher Jackson. Like, he's my favorite George Washington. Uh, you know, Thomas, it, it just, it, it just goes, the list goes on and on. I, I can't, I can't really wrap my brain around how smart that is and how it just takes you, like, if going to the theater is an assault on all of your senses you know they dim the lights you're in this other world for however long you're there and they're going to touch you with your sense of sight your sense of sound sometimes the sense of um touch and feeling just by the temperature in the room or if you can feel the breath or if you can feel something come off of the stage you know uh, or a gasp from a person sitting next to you what happened in that theater is with your eyes you were able to see people of color band together in a way talking about things that we know from I mean if you ever went to school in the United States you'd be knowing all these things inadvertently against your own will ultimately, and you're able to see something that's a revolution. And at the end of the day, that is what I feel is so revolutionary about Hamilton. He told a well-known story in an unknown way, and he allowed us to see ourselves. He gave glory to the immigrants that built this country. And at a time where that's so diverse, and people are so offended (laughs) by the truth and the fact that you know it it just is true you know our country is built by immigrants there are many people who still live off the previous wealth of free labor and until we deal with that and make those things right by the first step is acknowledgement Um, The second step is, of course, an apology, but an apology is a verb and not just the, you know, just the static word that you're giving to people. Um, I don't know how we move forward. And so I think that this was a great reminder of that. And I love that this came out in the Obama administration. And, you know, that point in time that they were able to take this thing on the road and go into the different schools and share it with the kids. And it was such a it was such an amazing experience for for the the young people in the country at that time in a way that I'd never seen. And I literally was introduced to it in the comfort of my own car. I I couldn't believe it. And I live in Hawaii. We're like the American Revolution is not really something that comes up around the dinner table on a regular basis. They're not like, pass the point. Hey, what about Alexander Hamilton? (laughs) You know? So it was really, really cool to have that experience from like a parent's perspective and then also to be reminded of the things that these people did and how these institutions are still in place. And then with all of the things that would come to be from 2016 until now, holy mackerel! Rony history has its eyes on some people oh they are going to pay okay
1: <laughs> and
0: um you know just the songs like the songs the songs carry this whole thing through and the songs make sense and the songs just go from place to place they tell stories of friendship they tell stories of love they tell stories of scandals they tell stories of of um war and, and being heroic and then they tell stories of sadness and sorrow and they do it in a way that doesn't stumble over these like big speed bumps throughout the road it's just so seamless and he doesn't he just uses the same actors again and again so you're so familiar with them and 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 just everything like i i have to say even like the littlest detail like how lafayette in the very beginning when you first meet lafayette he can barely speak English. Like Lafayette's like, how you say anarchy. anarchy, you know? And then like, after they win the revolution, Lafayette is like spitting out these words. He can speak the English. He is running stuff, you know, like he shows the, the arch and the progression of each character in such a short period of time, like in the first act. It's amazing. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can't go on and on. Back to you, Paul.
1: <laughs> what you just said made me wonder also about, like, the fact that words that probably obviously weren't used or might have not even existed, because we like to just look at the dictionary and think, oh, that's been every word since the beginning of time, and that wasn't added. So that's what I liked about some of the lyrics. And some of the uh, subtext that it was saying was, it made me th- think of, like, a good, like, 60s or 70s rock album to where like they could totally you just you think they're talking about one thing and they're just totally saying something different if you really listen and that's what I really appreciated and could apply to the uh, not only my love of hip-hop and rock and roll I mean I think they're one and the same but um the fact that it was just like what you're just saying that and you're passing it off as something that uh, like a Broadway audience, which let's just face it, Broadway's expensive. So we're not just saying it's just rich people that go there, but Broadway audiences are usually,
0: well, those uh, seats were super expensive. And yeah. I mean, that's another example of like putting your value out there, like knowing your value, the fact that they opened up in the Richard Rogers theater, you know, and really stuck a sticker value, a sticker price on that seat, said a lot but he was also coming off in the heights which was a huge success and i mean just once again like really blow up lin-manuel miranda i love lin-manuel miranda's brain it's (laughs) so amazing it's so amazing um but he like was coming off of of in the heights he's on hiatus like they they close the show he's going on vacay to just chill with his honey and next thing you know, he's in the airport, and he picks up this big ass book by Ron Chernow. It's a best-selling biography and everything about Alexander Hamilton. But from what I hear, it's like the size of two Bible stuff together. Just light reading on vacation, and um, from that is inspired by this, you know, antagonist protagonist relationship between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton that not many people talk about. I mean, if if you really think about history and how crazy it is that a sitting vice president would kill Alexander Hamilton, you know, the father of of the secretary of our treasury, you know, the creator of of the Coast Guard, all of these different institutions that we still use and understand to this day. He's sitting in office when that happened in a duel that was somehow legal at that time in New Jersey. It's just it's a lot.
1: I'm sorry that. That become in context of then that becomes huge. But you got to figure we lived through Dick Cheney. So I don't put shit past the vice president if he could have gotten no, away I with know. murdering someone he would have. I'm just saying that to be submersive. But but,
0: yeah. Of course, but like it just that it was so public, like it was a public duel. Right. <laughs> like it was like that there was no secret about this um there was no smoke and mirrors about that and just how their relationship would would grow throughout the years and who they were to each other so that's just really interesting and then we have to of course cover some of the highlights of the show I mean King George come on come on having the two Georges head to head in the first act is just hilarious come on it's the right. best the George Washington on King George the crazy is I just love King George what did you think of King George hilarious
1: right yeah I (laughs) it you know I'm uh yeah I mean you put it best it's I mean I I, I do want to say like what do you think about this because you're talking about specific characters and we did mention the time you had with them like what would you What would you say to audience about, like... Because that was something that I forgot to say in my first uh, uh, looking at it. I was just trying not to get confused by the amount of characters. And when I say that, I say that because usually when we see something with a lot of characters, um, if we're not huge fans of them, we don't not know 90% of the characters. Is that making sense? Like, I'm
0: yeah totally totally one of the things i think he did is like literally every time the characters come into uh, onto the stage they introduce themselves and say their names like that's another thing i thought was brilliant even like in work when um the schuyler sisters are out there like It is literally the Skyler sisters and they're introducing themselves. Oh, yes. I like (laughs) that
1: number. Yes.
0: It's the best, you know, and like it's all about them saying their names, who they are, what they're doing, where they are. Like all of his songs are who, what, where, when, why. And it's so um, old school hip hop rap based, like like you're just doing like a spit contest on the corner of the street. It's so awesome. I love it.
1: It's KRS-One and Grandmaster Flash.
0: Yeah, um, just spit in. Who, what, where, one why? Who, what, where, when, why, how?
1: Who, what, <laughs> I, 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 I. Of course, you know, with background and getting to work on sets—not in theater, but just in the business—it's um, it, so hard for me. I sometimes wish I didn't learn this. I, I never wish I didn't go to film school, but but you really see something, and you know that a lighting cue, like, I'm not, no one takes it for granted, because you see it, and you're just like, oh my gosh, that's a really cool scene, and we know that it was a bunch of elements, and we know there's a crew, we know there's actors, but there's certain things in Hamilton that are not just uh, the actors that, like, the slightest nanosecond of being off, and I don't just mean, like, how we all know it, I mean, like, really had there not been that probably 30 year old grip lighting technician that knew when to turn the light um would have totally taken away like in just i mean this this crew i i i didn't look up if there's a tony for crews that's usually the debate is that crews don't get oscars or tonys or but they make everything like look good like the costumes of this just, like, floored me. I don't even know where they got that many costumes, that much material, like. Um, and we both know, like, if you just even were doing, spilled remotely anything on it. So I always wonder how, um, and I'm not getting off track here. I'm saying this is a credit to the actors and the characters doing what they have to do. Like, how do they stay hydrated? I always wondered, like, how do they keep their protein levels up? For three hours while they're sweating all of their thing away and to me this is speaking to the craft this isn't like you know in movies Denzel Washington all due respect he gets to take a break after he's done his speech he gets to go back to a trailer hydrate do what he does he's not on camera for three hours so uh, these actors um, are just so amazing and it was almost making me feel kind of bummed that Uh, Only now for me, and probably a lot of people, ironic, hearing more about uh, Leslie Odom playing Sam Cooke, and I said, Google, Google. (laughs) Um, uh, I guess irony always comes back, right, Kai? Um, But I I just was kind of like, how are they keeping their characterization, their costumes, their craft, hitting their marks? Because for film, they had to be hitting marks. They couldn't be... Just off a I little mean, bit. I mean,
0: what are you talking about? This is Broadway, bro. Oh, oh my god! I know what I'm like talking about. No, I'm, no, they no, literally I'm swept I'm, a Broadway. I know.
1: No, what? I'm. Ta- I'm talking about film <laughs> technique and crew. I'm not talking about the Broadway actors and the. I'm talking about the that if this was normal, we would see it all the time, right? There'd be a, there'd be a movie of every play that. I mean, Fences was made into a movie. Why was Fences not filmed on Broadway with Denzel playing the main character like he did? I mean, that's all I'm trying to say, that like the film it's, meeting it's the not theatrical. A musical.
0: There's a reason. I would say that it's not a musical. It's not a musical. I would say that's the number one reason. I feel like the only, and not the only, but a lot of the, 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 the plays that transition well to films are usually musicals solely because like music has its own energy and it brings its own brightness and its own light to what would otherwise be a place that you would need to be because it is an experience of the senses like you kind of it's like one of those stories like you had to be there you know and like to watch a play on a stage in a movie type of an environment is like why would you do that if there's no songs
1: i thought this would have been totally epic as a film did you ever hear why they didn't do it
0: I mean, I don't know. I'm so happy they didn't do it as a film. Actually, like I'm I'm actually so, so happy only because I have listened to this album so many times that I had imagined it in my brain. And I was about (laughs) like 70 percent right with all the scenes and um, like literally like the transitions. I was like, oh, yeah, yes. Nailed it. Um, But You know, I think that it's really important to not overshadow like what you were saying earlier. What could have been really confusing with like huge ships and um, King George's castle and, um, you know, the background of the White House when it was the beginning of the White House and New York City instead of Washington, D.C., because that's where the original capital was. And all of these different things um, that could have added to confusion. You know, I think what's really amazing about what Hamilton is, is that it really allows you to think big, but focus small in the sense of you're taking in all this information and there's just so much happening at one time. But because the background is ultimately very simple, you're not confused by that visual aid and you get to just see these people of color, these women of color, representing our foremothers and our forefathers as Americans like to call them. And um, it really fosters a different feeling of pride for the Americans that I feel like have been forgotten for so long, you know, but really are the majority. Which is freaking the hell, I mean, like, pardon my French Polynesian, but it's freaking the fuck out of white people. <laughs> like, the majority <laughs> of people in the United States are <laughs> of color at this point, or at least a little colored. You know, those a lot of white people have mixed with other people of color. There's some other and, needles in that um, haystack. I, I, yeah, and I mean, if I'm not incorrect, I could be historically incorrect, but I believe that even King George was married to Princess Charlotte, who... <laughs> was African in descent, and, um, you know, she was extremely light-skinned, but I believe that she was uh, light-skinned, you know what I mean? So, um, at the end of the day, there's, (laughs) there's so many things that are, for some reason, we need to... We need to start embracing these things. Like it's always so crazy to me how insecure people are about this color situation. And and I say that from a place of like being from Hawaii where we have this really really divisive Um, blood quantum so in Hawaii we have like the Department of Hawaiian homelands where Hawaiians are supposed to have land and it's such a it's it's horrible because Hawaiians are not living on their land a lot of people have died on the list and you have to prove that you have enough Hawaiian blood to get get on your land so that's one story where if you look at how Americans treated African-Americans if you had even a drip of African-American blood but you were very light you looked white you passed whatever you were considered African-American are black. And so it's just, it just really depends. It's so political. And so here's the thing, like at the end of the day, the reason why people want to get Hawaiians off the land and why they wanna take us like and, and prove that we don't have enough blood to get on the land is because over the years, the state and the federal government can then sell off our land to the highest bidder because land is very expensive out here and there's not enough of it to go around. So that's how it serves the greater good out here where the opposite stands true for America they want to prove that anyone who has even the littlest bit of African-American blood is now African-American, and they're going to be pushed over into the margin even more so. And and it's always this situation, like, I'm not Hawaiian enough. Uh, if you're totally white, but you have black, you know, some type of African-American blood, now you're totally African-American and you're going to get marginalized. It's it's just the most ridiculous scenario ever. Like, we're all the one race. We're the human race. We need to start figuring this out collectively. And and start treating each other like actual human beings. Because we need to prepare for either a zombie apocalypse and or an alien invasion. Come on, get it together, humans. Get it t- together. <laughs>
1: and, and, and something tells me you've seen both in your head, which scares me anyways. <laughs> um, I, 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 what you were saying and what this brought up about the African-American thing was I just... Um, huge rumor that my dad's grandma was a child of a slave rape. And, uh, so yeah, if you see pictures of her, I'm not saying this in a racial way, but she's definitely got the hairstyle. Hold on. Are you there? Okay, yeah, so she's definitely got the hairstyle. I hate saying that, but it's true. You look at her and you would be like, oh wow, that's so, Tell tell me what you learned from your African American grandmother. And then it goes down to my grandmother.
0: Well, isn't like that side of your family notoriously like racist? Yes,
1: I was going to get to that. So they're notoriously racist. They're from Missouri, except I will disclaim my Uncle Jim's not racist. Um, And uh, yeah, so they're from the exact midpoint between Kansas City and St. Louis. Middle of like such a small town, it does make Kauai look like Tokyo. And um, yeah, so then you see a picture of my grandmother and same thing, very African traits. Then when I grow my hair out, I can actually grow one. And in high school, I used to have uh, girls who would say, oh, my God, your hair looks like Snoop. So it's really an interesting... But you're also half Mexican. Yes. And from my mother, I'm half Mexican. So I get this interesting thing to where I thought, really, if if I wasn't like four generations away that I could potentially be uh African-American, Mexican, and white and it's just so funny that my white father is where that uh um like you said the racial side would come from in our family so yeah so this also was making me look at those things like did my great 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 grandfather like sell my great 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 grandmother (laughs) (laughs) and Whole other thing, but that's also, too, what I liked that it brought out. And something that I wanted to say, um, I was talking with this friend of mine a few weeks ago. And we were talking, you know, uh, the, the, the marriage male-female dynamic. And this friend happened to say to me that, um, for some women, or mostly all in history, not all, there's no such thing as all, um, there uh option was to fuck the patriarchy so in satisfied i heard this woman singing about having to marry rich and so i was just wondering if that this song just popped out in me has one of my favorite moments of just seeing like life imitate art and something just snag you that happens so close in your life is there anything about satisfied or that you would want to comment on that. And if you don't, that's cool. But I just thought that that really, Oh
0: my gosh. Satisfied is heartbreaking. Okay. So just like the love triangle between Eliza and, um, and, uh, Alexander. And of course, you know, just, just that, that, that love triangle. Okay. Is super duper heartbreaking. And I love satisfied because it shows the commitment of sisterhood but it also shows how similar um how similar two souls and spirits can be and at the end of the day like that they might be on completely different paths but like angelica is basically describing the polar opposite of what alexander's doing like angelica is everyone in the world is looking to her to make these moves because she's the eldest you know and she she can't afford to slip up where Alexander Hamilton he has nothing to prove except everything to prove you know no one believes in him no one has any expectations of him so for her to hook up with him would be like you know that it's just not going to work And so in order for her to have her selfish satisfaction, she introduces him to her sister. And just the fact that the two of them will never, ever have satisfaction is what that song is about. And that they're so similar that it would have probably never worked. And, um, you know, ultimately, it really does paint the picture of. What an angel Eliza is, and and in her life Eliza is an angel. I mean, she goes on historically. She goes on to create the orphanage. If you go to um, to Alexander Hamilton's gravesite, to where his memorial is, it's it's humongous. It's so statuesque. It's it's so brilliant and. Of course, she made it that way for him to honor him so people would always remember him and, and and know what he did. And then there's like a tiny, tiny little thing right next to it with Eliza, just right next to him, very quietly, very, very um, quietly. discreetly. Yeah, she's super discreet, you know, and... Um, It it just is such a picture of who they were as people like, of course, Angelica wanted to be with Alexander Hamilton. I think historically, I think that that's where the story on the stage is different than what it is in in actual history. I believe that Angelica was married when she met Alexander Hamilton. So that that song is, is historically incorrect, but I think it made for a better song to be about them meeting because there are actual letters that were in the Chernob, um novel between Angelica and Alexander Hamilton, like you'll find a, a later song um, in Take a Break where she's stating like how he puts a punctuation in a certain portion of the letter and it changes what he's trying to say you know was that his intention and they're constantly like flirting with each other for years and years and years and years but it doesn't like cross that line until there's the actual scandal that does happen and and then of course she's 100 percent committed to supporting her sister um, and at that time, people don't divorce. And so Eliza will stay with Alexander Hamilton until his dying day. And and, you know, she really does love him. And so it's like such a sad like what what's so amazing about Hamilton is that it is a love story. It is um, a story of friends. It is a history lesson. it It is a story about a broken man who thinks he's going to find the pieces to put him back together by creating success or creating a legacy for himself afterward. And, and I don't know that he did in his life. Um, but I, I will say that we're still talking about him. So that's, that's a lot, (laughs) you know, like that's a lot for a little, a little bastard orphan, son of a whore from St. Kitts and (laughs) Nevis. I'm not going to lie.
1: Well, and I think it's weird. I I'm always interested like where any art is born and how it finds you. So I think it's just so, interesting some dudes going on a vacation um you would wonder why you'd want such a big book if he was going on vacation with his woman but that's obviously his business because
0: he has such a big brain and he's so hyper intelligent i'm sure he's not
1: capable of fighting with a woman he's that perfect but um and then well
0: no i will say this like if you're not familiar with in the heights the main character's name like the the character that all the songs are about and that he obsesses the that he obsesses over is Vanessa and that's his wife's name. Aww. So he basically his previous play was about that he won a Tony for was all about his wife. Oh. Vanessa. So, okay. Good morning, so he, he, Vanessa. He found the only
1: woman that doesn't start arguments. Okay. Or he doesn't start arguments. Um,
0: she's a lawyer. Oh shit. Oh shit.
1: <laughs> Let me just say for you Mr. Manuel Miranda. Shit. <laughs>
0: I know way too much about Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like, I'm super obsessed with him, not in a stockery way, in, like, a way that I think is, like, really cool. Like, he's just really cool. The way that he was obsessed with Alexander Hamilton. Like, it just is cool. He's so smart, and he's so brilliant, and he's such a great artist. And I'm so excited and happy that all of us, anyone who's listening to this, you and I, my animals, my kids, all the people, we get to be alive during the time he's alive and see him perform or see what he contributes to the world of performance okay. and art. It's amazing. He's just a creative mind that is like Shakespearean.
1: Uh, okay. You know what? That just, that just brought a huge thing up that I, I appreciate you saying that because what you just said is how I felt not only each time I would see BB King, but the first time I saw him, like when he walked from backstage, it was just like, Yeah, like I'm in the same place at this moment in life with BB King. Like, all he's. And so,
0: to me, that's what theater is. Yeah, all. Like, that's why theater is badass. Yeah. You know, like, what you're saying about BB King, what you're saying about, like, live music is why theater is different than films. I mean. Like, films are awesome. Films are a secret. You know, you can watch a film in secret. You can do it on your own. You can do it in a big, dark movie theater if you want. But, like, theater, it takes other people, Like, you can't just be like, I want to watch a live play by myself. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, other people are going to have to be there to perform it for you, unless it's like a one-man show. And then you're like, this is weird, but I'm kind of into it. A one-woman show, a one-person show, whatever you may call or identify yourself as. A one-animal show, whatever it may be. But um, at the end of the day, like, I think that's what's exciting about theater. It's the same thing that's exciting about live music. It's the same thing that's exciting about ballet. It's the same thing that's exciting about anything that takes a bunch of crazy ass creative people to come together and be like, we're going to create this thing. And then we're going to allow other people in after we've decided that we're ready and prepared. And we're going to put a value on it. And I'm always so fascinated by that. Like that's such a trusting exercise, and it's such a beautiful thing. Once again, that makes me believe that people can get over racism, and people can get over sexism, and people can get over all this weird stuff. Like, you know, like people who are homophobic are usually deep-rooted homos. You know, yes, like whatevs. Get over your shit. No, I agree. Like whatever you're weirded out about, you're usually totally obsessed on because you have an issue with it, and you just like need to talk to someone about it or test it out. Many times, people maybe aren't even into that. They just didn't have an opportunity or give themselves permission to test it out. And so they are so afraid of it because they've been told something by someone who was told something by someone who was told something by someone, you know what I mean? Like through the coconut wireless, they didn't even know anyone who did something. They just heard someone who heard someone who heard someone so dumb. And so I feel like that's what Hamilton does. Hamilton just sort of like knocks a glass ceiling off of all these preconceived notions in a way that is such a, a familiar topic that we can wrap our minds around it because, like, unfortunately, if you went to school in the United States, as I mentioned earlier, against your own will, you learned about this. <laughs> like, you didn't even have a choice. You're like, if, why if, are we learning about this?
1: <laughs> if you, yeah, if if you were paying attention, which you know you you were in school. Um, note note to self: up, pay attention to school. For anyone who's before college or whatever please pay total attention soak it up because it will be gone and one day you'll wish you were just going to class and that that's all (laughs) you had to do Um,
0: well I think that there's a difference between paying attention and thinking something is very peculiar and I will say about history I always thought it was so peculiar and then I always thought it was so peculiar what they thought we should be learning about like i just thought it was peculiar like okay don't fight but you're literally telling us about this revolution (laughs) and it's like legit all fighting okay respect authority but (laughs) we can't wait i'm so sorry We came across the ocean as pilgrims. We were English. But now we're killing off all these people who made us this dope dinner. (laughs) And now we're going against... Now we're going... They taught us all these amazing things that allowed us to live and survive through these cold-ass winters. But now we're going to go against the king. Okay, because he's crazy, though. Like, I love how everything was like... King George was mad. He was a tyrant. He was mad. He was a tyrant. Like, that's all you ever hear. I feel like it's because... Queen Charlotte was was like mulatto. They're like, and he was married to a black woman, so we're super over that, and we're super into slavery.
1: Right? <laughs> just so dumb. I, yeah.
0: I can't do it. I can't well, do like it. Our, you know, like like, the you last, never really get the whole story. It's like the
1: last movie we talked about, right? Just some women are just crazy, which you know, promising young women put it in that context, and not that I said it, but no, that is a uh, that's this, see, this is the cool thing about Hamilton. I'm, unfortunately, we've come to our wrap time, but. Uh, I did want to say that's what I appreciated most about this film was that it 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 brought up social issues. It was obviously historical, but was obviously relevant to our history that we're living. Um, you could have a political... And it's
0: so good. Yeah. It's not <laughs> boring. It's amazing. It's so it's good. It's good
1: on Broadway. And unfortunately, there's no tickets to Kai's head. Otherwise, I don't know. I I would probably venture to see like a matinee anyways. Um, This
0: is the closest you're going (laughs) to get.
1: And then also uh, fans of this, uh, after you see it, know that there's also uh, you can hear the soundtrack on YouTube. There's also a mixtape. Or
0: buy it. You can, buy, you it can on, buy it on on iTunes. There's
1: mixtape, which has Common and The Roots, and a whole John Legend, a whole slew of people that we Alicia
0: Keys. Alicia Keys. Oh my gosh. That we could go that's on so and on about. Oh my gosh, Andre Day, who just won a Golden Globe as Billy Holiday.
1: Right. She sings
0: a beautiful, beautiful song. She's probably gonna on the win the Oscar tape.
1: too. So um but yeah, that's a whole the mixtape is a whole nother like you can go cuckoo on the on the music aspect not the musical part so uh with that so you're welcome
0: oh you're You're welcome
1: welcome. oh yeah by the way we chose it because kai (laughs) we chose it um a while back you know we were still working through our hiatus and our return so um this has been something that we've been able to uh you know work work at and work on and no pun intended to the theater workshop um that's gonna do it for me whether if you have a anything quick that you'd like to add in Kai feel free
0: I I don't I just want to say thank you so much for finally watching this film Paul it's so awesome and (laughs) I highly encourage everybody else to listen to it it's so it's it really is like it will it will enhance your life it's great
1: now it's time for the segment where we give you a top 10 of movies to watch where we pick all kinds of various different reasons I've done this for actor supporting actors nomination. I've done this, heck, I even did one where for cool songs for the closing credits. I was prompted by Revenge of the Nerds because We Are the Champions. It's just so cool when the nerds like stand up to the jocks. But anyways, Kai, let's go with your first five uh, top 10 best original song winners of the Oscar in a film.
0: Okay, so we're just going to start it off with a little ditty I like to call Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Judy Garland and The Wizard of Oz because it is such a classic, and, I mean, who doesn't love that song? And I feel like everybody can sing that song amazingly well in the shower, and I am sure you agree. Um, That was actually the 1939 winner, so, like, come on, that was kind of a long time ago. Um, Remember Me is my second choice. Remember Me is from the film Coco. It's an animated feature by Disney. Um, Which I absolutely love If you haven't seen Coco You gotta watch it It's so so good And Miguel released this song That won the 2017 Oscar And Remember Me is just such a poignant song About love and loss and hope And I just think that every single lyric is just beautifully penned. Um, My third is one from a movie that I also really love. Uh, At the time when I saw it, I was like, yes, finally, finally a movie that kind of like covers what you don't ever see. And then when it was nominated for the Oscar, I was so stoked. And when it won, I was like, she gone and she ready. So it was 2005 and it's hot out here for a pimp from yes. um, Hustling Flow. <laughs> yes. So, of course, it was <laughs> yes. Juicy J, yes. Fraser Boy, DJ Paul. They rolled up on them Oscar. Yeah. They don't know me. They don't know it me. It was for the me. best. It like, ain't
1: over <laughs> for me. Keep hustling. You don't
0: know, mate um so that movie movie. was it's such a great movie and it's such a great song and it was such a great win at a time that it was very unexpected in my opinion like i did not think they were going to leave that night with the oscars but i was so psyched when like all their jewelry all their grills all their oscars just like walked up out of there with all their pictures it was so amazing and then of course like one of my favorite 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 movies is breakfast at tiffany's um so we cannot forget the great um henry mancini and his orchestra i have many a henry mancini and his orchestra records uh, moon river is the song that i am referring to and you know just a couple things about breakfast at tiffany's now it might not seem like the most revolutionary film. But if you watch a character like um, Holly Golightly, and you think about when it was released in, in 1961, it was really a revolutionary character. She was very different. I mean, there's some things in Breakfast at Tiffany's that I could live without, but then there's other things that I'm really into, like cat. I love her relationship with her cat. I love her relationship with herself just sort of being a female who's kind of on her own. And I love that this film is really about that like a reinvention of a female and using a woman like Audrey Hepburn as opposed to a real siren at that time was a risk and so I greatly appreciate that even though it's called Breakfast at Tiffany's and you might think that it's all going to be about like bobbly diamonds and stuff it's ultimately about someone who's faking it to make it And um, what that journey is. And I love how Moon River fits into that. Um, 1983, we had an amazing film that had a lot of like 80s awesome moments and taught all of these young girls how to like change their clothes without having to take off their shirts and cut their sweatshirts. It's called Flashdance. Yeah, it is. And um, my next choice is what a feeling and oh, um i will say fun fact on Kauai, i was able to meet irene kara the great irene kara i used to work on this tour boat on nepali like i was a crew member on nepali and i freaked out because i immediately recognized her because i love irene kara she's from fame originally and so when I saw her, I was like, oh my gosh, you're Irene Kara. She's like, no one ever recognizes me anymore. And I was like, dude, I, I, I know everything about you. I, I know all the things. Do you want something to drink? Like I literally served her all day and like ignored everyone else. Like I took her on like a private snorkeling tour. I probably annoyed the crap out of her. She probably wanted to just look at Nepali on her own. But anywho, I met Irene Cara. It was amazing. And in 1983, she took home that Oscar for What a Feeling. And if If I do recall, she took home an Oscar for her, I don't know, maybe like 1982 or 1981. She had collaborated on another song and another film. I can't recall right now. It's not coming to me. And then my final, oh, that is my final. But like one that we can add just a little side, is 1940, When You Wish Upon a Star for Pinocchio by Cliff Edwards. I mean, come on. Who doesn't love When You Wish Upon a Star? And Jiminy Cricket, give me a break. He is a legend. (laughs)
1: I, I just want to say, when we when I busted into singing that song, you guys have to see Hustle and Flow. That is such a great film. And again, just the idea that, oh my gosh, everyone has a dream. And if you keep hustling and flowing... You can get that dream and we don't have to judge or, you know, say just because they're a, it's a pimp from Memphis. Like, yeah, everybody's and like, got the right. And even, and Good.
0: Yeah. And he's not like he's not disenfranchising his girls like he's literally taking like his main girl, even though he's like, you got go to go work after he's like, OK you man. And she's like, wait, I'm a woman. He's like, no, no, you man. And she's like, I'm man. You know, like he's like, man makes money. Man gets out and hustles. Like he's treating her like an equal. And I think that that scene is really legendary. You know, like we man, oh, that, <laughs> I love that, it. That, and it empowers her. No,
1: they're, they're, <laughs>
0: she goes on when,
1: when, when they're smoking that doob and DJ quails is like, every man, every man has got the right and he says the p-word in front of a hooker and she like laughs at him but he's like has got the right to contribute a verse and i was just like yes so yeah i'm so glad that you brought that up i don't know why i forget that song i think it's one of like the three hip-hop songs to win an oscar glory and then i'll start my list with eminem's lose yourself from 2002 This is also relevant to last year's Oscars. A lot of people complained and were like, why is Eminem on and what is he doing performing and he's not even nominated? Well, I guess he wasn't there the year he won, but if you break down Lose Yourself, it's about seizing the moment, seizing the opportunity, and at a time where the Oscars have have become so diverse, and last year was such a diverse year, i thought it was a brilliant choice by saying seize this moment don't pass up your opportunity and then the final words of his song are like you can do anything you put your mind to and then all these people came out and were like why would you have eminem and it's like because that song's saying exactly what you need to do seize this moment we're here we're diverse so continue being diverse let's see another one on my list It's from 2009, The Weary Kind, T-Bone Burnett, um, Ryan Bingham. I don't know why when I say that. I always think of the George Clooney character and up in the air, but The Weary Kind, T-Bone Burnett created such a kick-ass country. Um, I think there's like three songs on there that should have deserved an Oscar. The Weary Kind, T-Bone Burnett picked up an Oscar, Uh, Crazy Heart, Jeff Bridges also won the Oscar that year. Let's see, 1993, a very tough film to watch, Bruce Springsteen's Streets of Philadelphia. Such a brilliant song, I hear this song and I just start weeping. Um, The AIDS crisis had finally started to be paid attention to because heterosexuals were getting it. And also that year Neil Young was nominated for the song Philadelphia in the same movie, which they played during uh, the end with Tom Hanks. And just that power and that song always uh, stuck with me. See, next one on my list is shows you we all have a cheesy side. From The Lion King, 1994. I personally think Elton John had three nominations out of five songs Hakuna Matata and Circle of Life. But can you feel the love tonight? I'm a monster Elton John fan. I like to sing "Tiny Dancer" uh, any time of day, uh, but "Can You Feel the Love Tonight?" Just gobbly goop, cheesy. You have to eat it up. It's a great cartoon. I never got to see the musical, um, but uh, Elton John, along with
0: it's excellent. The musical's excellent. Uh, I can
1: only imagine. I mean, Tim Rice. I did see "Phantom of the Opera" in Honolulu one time, but uh, Elton, you know, has been in my family. My my parents. When they started dating, they would listen to Elton. So Elton's kind of part of my DNA. So I know I always lean towards that. Um, Let's see. I think that was... How many was that? That was three, four... Okay, so my fifth one. Have to go with this one. Again, saw saw this movie when I was seven years old. I'm willing to admit, Kai already laughed at me. So she can laugh again if she wants. But there was this film called Top Gun and in it the character maverick sings you've lost that love and feeling to kelly mcgillis has a way to get a seat a table next to her i actually thought they wrote that song for the movie <laughs> oh my god! until gosh. i was in music class uh that was 1986 i was in music class in the year 2003 and i started learning about the brill building and all that and my uh, music teacher put that song on, and I was like, 19, whatever, 60, 50 something. And I was like, that's the Top Gun song. So, yes, I am. But you know what? The cool thing is, I learned from that music teacher, we all enter where we enter, and it's all cool wherever we enter. I guess that's a lazy way of saying I should have known. But so, the drum roll, number 10, number five on my list, but number 10 on the list, Take My Breath Away. Again, it's just cheesy. You gotta love it. We'll never know if Maverick crashed and burned the second time, but yeah, that'll do it for me with number 10 on Take My Breath Away. And Kai, what a, thank you for all those great contributions. So this is the cool thing. Last thing I want to say, the wonderful music is you can have uh, Keep hustling, Keep Flowing, along with Judy Garland, Eminem, and elton john on the same list all right that's gonna do it for us on this week's top 10 thank you so much kai for doing this i always have a blast doing this with you and always learn so uh, check us out on apple podcast spotify or google podcast we're so happy to be on different platforms now and thank you for joining us have a great morning afternoon or evening And while you're doing all that, make sure and watch a good movie. Aloha.
0: Thank you for listening to the Talking Pictures Podcast. Real conversation and movie-induced inspiration.